0: We are very much concerned today with all the problems that pandemics are causing in this country. Um, We look abroad and we see all the problems that countries have with floods and fires and that kind of thing. And it makes us ask, you know, is there something behind all this? Is it just climate change or is there more to it? Uh, And pandemics is the thing that concerns us most in this country. And we can see that it's affecting not only the economy of this country, but the economy of the world. There's some recent headlines, Australia, uh, the cost of lockdown, a billion dollars per week, which is quite a sum of money. Um, The economists told us this week that as far as travel is concerned, the chaos is going to last well beyond the summer. It's going to disrupt journeys, it says, for years to come and america is grappling with the problem that they haven't unrolled vaccination fast enough a lot of people are refusing to be vaccinated and now in texas there is this huge explosion of cases so it is of a real concern to not only this country but the whole world that's what a pandemic is something that affects the whole world Plagues too, Australia is in the middle of a, a, a mouse plague, a mice plague, uh, which has been going on for months and months now. In Africa, this is a headline from a year ago, the second wave of locusts in East Africa is said to be 20 times worse, that's from the previous year. Now those locusts have lessened this year but are still quite a problem to people living in Africa. Locusts are coming along, taking their crops, uh, and they've got nothing to live on, and their economies are suffering because of the pandemic, so it is very grim for many parts of Africa because of this plague of the locusts. Earthquakes too. Uh, The highest measure on the Richter scale is earthquakes between the level of 8.0 to 99 Already this year, we've had two earthquakes in that intensity band, the highest band that there is. Whereas in the past seven years, there's only been five earthquakes in that band. And here we are, just two thirds of the way through 2021, and we've already had two in that top band. So again, it is something which uh, is a problem to many parts of the world because of the devastating damage that earthquakes do. And eruptions. There have been many eruptions continuing from last year, many new eruptions, 57 new eruptions have been confirmed this year. Mount Etna is growing and growing as the lava from within is threatening to really emerge and do tremendous damage in that region. And here was a warning from Cambridge University earlier in the month that uh, it, these minor volcanic eruptions which we see at the moment could cascade into a global catastrophe. So in addition to pandemics and plagues and earthquakes, uh, we also have floods. Uh, we 've had floods in London recently, but very much in Europe. Uh, A month ago, uh, terrible floods in July, leaving many people dead and many houses and properties ruined. And these floods seem to be not only in Europe, but America and across into, uh, into China, huge areas underwater. And then we have the opposite. Instead of floods, we have fires. And we know at the moment that thousands of people are having to be evacuated in Athens and in Turkey. Uh, there are huge fires in America. So there does seem to be uh, an uptick in all these things all happening at the same time. And then about 10 days ago, the uh, report from the IPCC the International, uh, can't read, can you read it on there? Uh, International, What's the P stand for? It's the Panel on Climate Change. Panel on Climate Change, good, thank you. Uh, issued its latest report, this is number six, its first one was in 1990. And the whole drive of this report and many reports is that man is responsible for all the problems, it is the rise in CO2 that is causing this total upset in the weather, not only hot but also cold, wet and dry. Uh, all these extremities are blamed on climate change. And I, I will certainly go along with the fact that man is to blame for a lot of these problems in his mismanagement of the land, the fires especially, because man isn't practising the old techniques of clearing the brush from underneath the trees when there is a fire it's on a much bigger scale because there's so much debris has been left behind the forests aren't being managed as they used to be and because man is exploiting the land and not cultivating it not putting in humus uh, then the rain when it does come causes these floods because the earth doesn't retain its moisture this report, the full report, goes to a staggering 3,949 3, pages. Now, we think of the EU uh, agreements, uh, the one with the Britain made at the end of last year, ran to about 1,200 pages, and we thought that was a lot, but 3,949 pages. Think of all the paper that is being chopped down to print uh, these reports. But the United Nations has been warning for a long time, 50 years. The United Nations has been saying, we are reaching a point of climax. Back in 1972, they said, we've got 10 years to stop the catastrophe. And then in 1982, 10 years later... The world hasn't come to an end, but it says that's an environmental catastrophe as irreversible as any nuclear holocaust. We've got to do something about it. Then, in 1990, um, we shall win or lose the climate struggle in the first years of 1990. If we don't do something rapidly, then there's going to be a great catastrophe. Again, we have to say. Uh, In the 50 years that the United Nations has been warning of these catastrophes, the population of the earth has doubled uh, and the earth is still here. All those islands which were threatened to being underwater aren't underwater. Uh, It does seem that the earth is able to cope with these problems uh, and very often the claims that are being made are greatly exaggerated. I want to give um, these things a little twist of their application. Pandemics, plagues, earthquakes and eruptions, what do they portend is how I've got it written here. I don't think that was quite how it's announced, but that's what this is all about. What we want to see is that there is uh, a series of warnings that the Earth is being given, not because of CO2 just going up a little bit, Um, but because God is in control. These are parts of the signs of our times. And what are they signs of? I believe that what we're seeing with the upset in the world of nature in our period are signs of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ back to this earth. Now, the Lord Jesus himself talked about signs when he was... In his ministry, talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the people, he, the, the leaders asked him for a sign from heaven to as evidence of what he was claiming to be. What, what was his authority? Give us a sign to show that you have authority. Uh, and Jesus, as always, deflected the question and said, When it is evening, you say, It is fair weather, for the sky is red. In the morning, it is foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O oh, ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? Now, interestingly, those two examples that Jesus gave are examples we're still used to this day, don't we? When it's a red sky at night, then we say, shepherd's delight, it's going to be a good day tomorrow. Uh, When it's red in the morning, then we say shepherd's warning because it's going to be uh, a rough day. But Jesus wasn't concerned with uh, us being able to look at the heavens and see from the weather just what the weather's going to be like tomorrow. What the Lord Jesus is saying, you've got to see the things that are happening upon the earth and see those as indications that God is working to forward his purpose. And so we believe that the Lord Jesus is coming back, not only as King of the Jews, but as King of the world. He's going to take over this world, and man will no longer be in control. The governments of Moscow and London and New York, uh, Washington, uh, won't be in control of the affairs of men. It will be the Lord Jesus Christ from Jerusalem who... Dictates what the world does. Now, I just want to look at a few passages of scripture. I'm just going to put them up on the screen. One of the most well known words of the Lord Jesus is what is termed the Lord's Prayer. And he told the disciples to ask God, who is in heaven, to praise his name, hallowed be thy name. But thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. And we know in heaven the angels do the will of God. They glorify God. Whatever God wants to happen, happens through the hand of the angels. And the Lord Jesus, when he came, told his disciples to look forward to this time when the God's kingdom will be established upon the earth and the whole world will come to recognise that the God of Israel, the Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son, uh, that God is the creator of all things and he has to be feared and adored and praised and his will obeyed. Uh, And what the Bible gives us is this uh, glorious hope that uh, we can be with the Lord Jesus in this day of his kingdom. And what we believe is that God is using pandemics and all these other things as a means to move his purpose forward. He's shaping up the world to be in a position to receive the judgments of God because of their godlessness. They've got to be brought to realise that there is a God, that we don't just take the name of God when we want to blaspheme. That that is grievous to God. And man is walking in so many ways which are obnoxious to God, the ways that he has laid out in the pages of his word, that God is intervening in the affairs of men to stop man in his tracks. And the things that we're seeing are part of his judgments upon a wicked world. God used pandemics in the past. Um, we're going to look at the time when uh, Abraham's children, the Jews, um, were called out of Egypt. A time when the plagues were poured out upon Egypt and God used ten plagues to alter the course of things. Egypt was the most powerful nation of the time and Egypt's king didn't want his slaves to go because that's what the... Israelites were, they were slaves in his kingdom, and God had to send his judgments to change Pharaoh and the direction that he was going. So we'll look at that, um, and the plays grew more and more intense until finally Pharaoh said, go. Uh, And if we go to the other end of the nation of Israel, that was the beginning of the nation of Israel when they were called out of Egypt and taken to the Promised Land. We read from Luke, and it's in all three of the Synoptic Gospels, uh, what is called the Mount Olivet Prophecy, uh, where the Lord Jesus gave signs to his disciples about the coming destruction of Jerusalem uh, and the ending of the uh, system of worship in the temple. Uh, And again, God uses pandemics and earthquakes uh, as, and strange happenings, to be signs to the disciples of that generation that the events of what we call AD 70, that's when the Jerusalem was uh, destroyed, uh, these were signs for their generation. Uh, and we can take from those two instances the fact that God is using similar methods today as his means of bringing about a great change. So we go back to Egypt, to the ten plagues of, in Egypt. Various things, water into blood, frogs, lice, flies, cattle, dying, uh, boils, fire and hail, um, locusts, darkness, and then the death of the firstborn. Now, the interesting thing was... As I say, this was God's judgments upon the most powerful nation of the day. And before ever these plagues came, God set out to Israel what he was going to do. Because God knows everything from the beginning. Unlike us, we don't know what's going to happen in two minutes' time, let alone next week. But God knows everything. And so he was able to outline two Moses and Aaron, what he was going to achieve in his punishments that he was going to send. And these are listed in Exodus chapter 6, so before any of the plagues came, this is what God said to Moses. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, they were slaves, That seemed an impossibility that that would ever happen. But God says, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I'm going to rid you out of their bondage. And I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. I'm going to bring judgments upon Egypt until they let you go. And I will take you to me for a people and I will be your God. And... Not only are the Egyptians going to let you go, but you are going to appreciate my mighty power. And ye shall know that I am Yahweh your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And God promises them, I will bring you into the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. And I will give it you for an heritage you're going to live there. I am the Yahweh. So those seven points God set out, this is what I'm going to do, this is my plan, and they all come to pass. And we can see as we read through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, we can see that step by step God brought these things into being. But interestingly it, it forms a chiasm and the centre part, number four, is God is saying I'm going to take you to be my people, I will be your God. And that's what happened at the end of the plagues, when they were in Sinai, God made a covenant with them. They became his people and God's plan and purpose then worked forward through the nation of Israel. But let's just take note of a few things in these plagues. The first was that Israel, too, were affected by the first three plagues. They had to suffer as well as the Egyptians. They had to learn the mighty power of God. And it wasn't until we come to the fourth plague that that plague didn't fall upon the Israelites. They lived in a separate part of Egypt in the land of Goshen. All around them, the lice and the moraines and the boils and the fire and all those things happened, but it didn't happen in Goshen. God made a separation between the Egyptians and the Israelites. And interestingly too, the Egyptian magicians, they were able with their skills to turn water into blood. That wasn't very difficult. They were also able to produce frogs, which was a bit more difficult, but with sleight of hand I'm sure they did it. But when we come to the third thing the lice which was upon Egyptians and the Israelites they couldn't do that. In fact they said this is the finger of God and they didn't attempt anymore to replicate, replicate the plagues. Now these plagues were actually centred upon the different gods of Egypt to show Pharaoh who was the chief god that all these lesser gods had no power. And it wasn't until Pharaoh himself was touched with the death of his firstborn that he let Israel go. But wave upon wave upon wave of plagues, Israel suffering the first three, but no longer the rest. And I believe that that is a pattern for what we're seeing today. I believe for the saints and maybe for the nation of Israel, they will suffer the first of God's three judgments, and then no longer. We'll come to that in a moment. So that happened. It had the desired effect. Egypt was broken. The Israelites were pushed out and given great wealth as they went. We now move on 1,600 years to AD 70 um, and the signs that the Lord Jesus gave the disciples which we read about came to pass. Jerusalem was totally destroyed and the beautiful temple that they had admired was totally destroyed. You can go to Jerusalem today and see the piles of stones which fell in AD 70 and were just covered over with the dust of ages until recently excavated. The disciples and the Lord Jesus had been walking past this magnificent temple that Herod had reconstructed, spent 46 years building, and they were admiring the beauty of it and the huge size of the stones. Uh, And Jesus, as it were, dropped a bombshell and said, You see all that glory? Well, it's all going to be destroyed. And the disciples were stunned. And they actually went up onto the Mount of Olives, the hills behind. And when they came there, the disciples came to him and asked him uh, these three questions. When shall these things be? What shall be the sign of this thy coming and of the end of the world? Now the word for world is aeon, age. This was the end of the things of Israel, the things of the law of Moses, came to an end in AD 70. And they wanted to know when this is going to happen and give us some clues so that we are prepared for when it happens. And that's what Jesus did. He says, "When you hear of wars and commotions, in other words, military threats, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass. But the end is not by and by. So, when these things happen, well, you know, you're you're on the pathway, but there's still some travel to go. Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There are going to be civil wars. There are going to be great earthquakes in divers places." There are going to be famines caused by droughts and pestilences, diseases. And the world of nature turned upside down. Fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. So these were some of the signs that the Lord Jesus gave to them. And he continues in the parallel account in Mark chapter 13 when he had told them that. Mark adds just a little phrase at the end there these are the beginnings of sorrows and the greek word that's being used there for sorrows is the word for a pang or throw especially of childbirth what today we would term contractions and we can see the relevance of that sign Because just like the plagues, they got more and more and more intense as time went on. and That's what happens when a a mother gives birth to a child. To begin with, contractions are tentative and then uh, they become more frequent. And so, yes, you know, this really is it. The birth is imminent uh, and they get stronger. And then finally, unstoppable. Uh, Until the baby is born. So the Lord Jesus says, you know, things are going to build up just a bit here, a bit there. Then it will get more and more and more and more until finally Jerusalem is actually broken and destroyed. So it was a birth not to joy, but a birth to sorrow. The beginnings of sorrows, he says. And uh, if one reads contemporary history one finds that this was the case in the build-up to AD 70. Tacitus, who wrote all about Roman history, says in the year AD 51, this year witnessed many prodigies, signs or omens, including repeated earthquakes. And Josephus uh, accounts of an earthquake in Judea that was of such magnitude that the, he wrote, the constitution of the universe was confounded for the destruction of men. And he also wrote that earthquakes were a common calamity. So there was an almighty earthquake in Judea where he lived, of a size that they hadn't experienced before. But he said there are many earthquakes around. And in fact, he lists uh, some of the places where the uh, earthquakes were, in Crete, in Smyrna, in Miletus, in Chios in Samos, in Laodicea and Herapolis and Colossae, in Campania, in Rome itself, and in Judea. So uh, there was this optic in activity around the Roman world, uh, including Judea, at this time. So the words that Jesus had given were coming to pass. The final sign for them was when ye shall see Jerusalem surrounded by armies then know that its desolation is near and they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations and Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled or are fulfilled. And Jerusalem was surrounded by the enemy uh, and the people in it were Many died of famine because it was uh, besieged for uh, about 18 months, there was a great shortage of food, there was civil war within the city and anybody that tried to escape out of the city was crucified and it was a dreadful time. And then finally they broke through uh, and the city was taken and the inhabitants that were still alive were sold into the slave markets of Egypt and into Rome. You could buy slaves to a penny. There were floods of Jewish slaves. So Jesus says, when that happens, then no, that's the end. It's going to fall. And Jerusalem is then going to be no longer under the control of the Jews, though even in Jesus' time, Uh, It was mainly under the control of the Romans, but they had a lot of power, the Jews, uh, over the local affairs. But he's saying it's going to change, and Jerusalem is going to be under Gentile, non-Jewish control. But there is an end time, when that times of the Gentiles comes to an end. And then Jerusalem will be no longer under the control of Gentiles but will revert to the control of the Jewish people. Now we believe that we're living in the time of the ending, of the time of the Gentiles. We actually see that Jerusalem is under the control of the Israelis, though that isn't a complete fulfilment of these words, because the times of the Gentiles hasn't yet ended. It will only end when the Lord Jesus is back and in control. And we know from other scriptures which we're not going to look at that there is to be a dreadful time ahead for Israel when the nations, and we know how anti-Semitism has increased with the pandemic. Um, Anti-Semitism is rife throughout Europe and Russia. The nations, many nations are going to come against Jerusalem to destroy Israel as a nation. And that will be part of God's judgments upon his people. And the Lord Jesus is going to come back to save his people in their hour of need. But we're living in this time of the ending of the times of the Gentiles. And then he, the Lord Jesus gives indications to those people who are living at the time when this ending of the time of the Gentiles will be fulfilled. So these are signs for us. There'll be signs in the sun and the moon, and the stars, and in the, on, on earth, distress of nations, with perplexity, and that word means no way out. So it's a pretty frightening picture. The sea and the waves, sorry, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear, and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken, then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud, with power and great glory. Now this was addressed to the disciples and when Jesus talked about signs and the sun moon and stars they would appreciate that Jesus wasn't talking about the physical sun the physical moon but these were symbols their minds would go back to an instance uh, a long time ago in the days of Jacob who had a dream and uh, Joseph sorry Joseph uh, who had a dream of uh, seeing 12 stars and the sun and the moon bowing down to him. Let's just put the text up on there. Behold, he said to his brothers and to his father, I have dreamed a dream more, and behold, the sun and the moon, the 11 stars, made obeisance to me. Now that physically came to pass because his brothers and his father did bow down to him when he was king in Egypt. In fact, Joseph saw a second dream, uh, which wasn't sun, moon, and stars, but it was sheaves. Uh, and his sheaf stood upright, and the uh, other uh, 11 sheaves, as it were, bowed down to his sheaf. So it, it tells us what this is about. It's about there's going to come a time in Joseph's life when his brethren are going to bow down to him because he. was going to be the saviour of Israel when he provided them with corn and brought them into the land of Goshen. uh, And he was their saviour. So, going back to our previous time, when we read of signs and the sun and moon and stars, it's talking about the political and the ecclesiastical powers, great changes going on in governments and in the uh, ecclesiastical systems. Uh, Upon the earth, distress of nations, people being very upset and worried about what is happening. Um, The sea and the waves roaring is a a figure of the people, as opposed to the sun, moon and stars, the rulers. So the ordinary people are going to be uh, in a position of uprising and protesting and demonstrating uh, against the things that are happening. A heart's failing for fear. Absolutely terrified. This pandemic has been bad enough. But if they get more and more intense, then we can imagine uh, how terrified the world will be. And the powers of heavens will be shaken. The total political upheaval. And then he says, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory that's not a literal cloud as far as the scriptures are concerned clouds it talks about clouds as being a multitude the lord jesus is going to come with resurrected saints whom he's going to make immortal to be all powerful with him to be able to come and save israel in their time of need And the Lord Jesus will have great power, because uh, yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, we read in the book of Revelation. So we see that the great upheavals that we have are portents to us. But the Bible paints a picture of hope. These things are punishment, but out of it will come a wonderful time when the kingdom of God is established, when men and women worship God, work with the world of nature instead of against it, seek to please God, seek to do that which is right. And so we believe that these are all signs to our generation that the Lord God is in control and that the Lord Jesus is coming back soon. And not just chance, random happenings, these are under God's control. uses natural means to punish the nations, to make them think, to reflect, you know, what is going wrong with the earth? Well, it's because of man's wickedness that these things are happening. And they will grow in intensity until the Lord Jesus is here. And the world that is coming, there's a lovely picture painted in Isaiah chapter 2 which speaks of the time when the Lord Jesus is king. It shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house will be established in the top of the mountains and established, exalted above the hills. And that's going to be in Jerusalem. Israel is going to be at the centre of the world. This is where the Lord Jesus is going to be king. This is where the twelve disciples, God said to them, you shall sit on twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Israel will be gathered back to their land. The Lord Jesus will be their king. A temple will be built as the centre of worship. And nations will flow to it. Many people shall go and say, Come ye, let us go up to the mountain of Yahweh, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us of his ways. We will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So that's going to be the centre of the... World, this is where world rulership goes forth from. He shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many peoples. Thou beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. We know that quotation is on a wall opposite the United Nations headquarters in America. Sadly. United Nations shows the inability of man to control the affairs of this world. But the Lord Jesus has that power uh, and he will control the world. He will solve all the problems that the world faces. And one of the great signs that the Lord God has given to our generation is the fact that the nation of Israel has gone back to their land. And the remarkable thing is that Israel is at the centre of the world, in the sense that from uh, or to Jerusalem nations can come from any part in Africa, because it is linked to Africa, any part of Europe, because it is linked to Europe, it is linked to Asia, there are sea accesses from America. So by boat, one can travel from North America, South America uh, to Israel. And from Australia and New Zealand and the islands over there. Again, there is access by water. It's the hinge point of the world. And God deliberately chose that spot for the purpose of the Kingdom Age. So that when Israel were established as a nation, that is where they were. They were driven out because of their godlessness, in their rejection of their Messiah. But God has promised, you'll go back. And our generation has seen the return of Israel back to that spot. And so we look forward to that time and we have to say, well, what's going to be our response to these things? It lies in our hands. This virus that we've been battling with isn't a a chance random thing we have to acknowledge that this is from God we can either chafe under the restrictions that are put upon us at the moment we seem to be coming out of them but who knows what lies ahead and whether another pandemic is going to come or we can say well this is making me think these things if they are from God then it's given me an opportunity before the coming of the Lord Jesus to turn my way around, to follow the way that is set out in the Gospel message that is contained in the Word of God. And we believe, friends, that this is the right course. Out in the world there is hopelessness. From the pages of the Word there is great hope. Um, We pray that you will respond to the gospel message and join us in waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus and looking forward to that time of blessing which he will bring. Thank you.